Hello, listeners, and welcome to the Sailing and Cruising the East Coast of United States podcast. I'm Balaam Usitz. And I'm Mike Wasserman. Hey, you know, in the last episode, uh, we talked with Heath Mulveen, uh, who works for Seahawk Paints, about different types of bottom paints, how to choose the right bottom paint, and the process by which a boatyard applies the bottom paint for best results. And, you know, we sort of ran out of, ran out of time. The episode went long. And, but the conversation was really interesting. So we broke it into a separate episode, which is this one, uh, which is talking about the process of painting your own boat. And this episode is also loaded with great tips from Heath and uh, a couple of pro tips that, uh, I mean, I know I, know I learned a, a fair amount of things there. Yeah, and that's good, Bela, because you know me, like I had, do not have a boat. I'm just learning about all this. And if I do get a boat, it's going to be a small boat. And I'm a little more interested in this kind of do-it-yourself approach because I can imagine that's what will wind up happening. Um, and hopefully, I think a chunk of our listeners will as well. All right. So let's get right into part two of Bottom Paint with Heath Mulveen of Seahawk Premium Yacht Finishes. Let, let's say that I'm not going to have a yard do it. I want to do it myself. So what kind of tips could you give to me as the boat owner who's going to paint the hull? What, what do I need to do? What should I look out for, et cetera? Right. So the first tip I'll give you is if you're ever in a position where you need to strip the bottom of your boat, don't plan on doing it yourself. That's where you want to spend the money because it's the worst job that you could possibly ever do. I've done it a couple times. Uh, the first time I swore I'd never do it again. And when, when I say removing the paint, I'm talking sitting under the boat with chemicals, stripping the paint off. Because, you know, those infomercials where they put the, the chemical stripper on the surface and it bubbles up and they blow it off and it's all that. It never works that yeah, way. Yeah, yeah. Especially doesn't work that way with bottom paint. So, so I, I, for, I thought they soda blast most of that stuff or do they strip so it? So that's what I would always recommend. Either soda. Got it. Or glass media is paying somebody to come in and do that. You're not going to do that yourself. It's it's dangerous, it's dirty, there's environmental concerns, etc. But paying somebody to come in, tent your boat, uh, you know, tape off the waterline, protect the area and then take all that waste away with them. It comes at a cost, but it's well worth it, I promise you. So that's the first place I'd start. After that, you're going to be left with some residual uh, maybe it's some primer that was just really tenaciously stuck on there. Maybe it's just a little bit of color staining. The point is that you really want to get that surface back to a nice white 80 grit profile surface, 80 grit sandpaper using a random orbital sander. Uh, and once the blasting's done, the follow-up sanding really isn't bad. It's a couple hours. Uh, it's, it's really not so bad. Uh, but getting to that point is key. And once you're at that point, now you've got a clear, it's like when you grade the soil before putting a driveway in, you want a nice stable foundation to put that, that, uh, you know, next layer of crushed rock on, for example. Um, so you've now sanded the boat. It's all one color and now you're going to wipe it down. So you wipe it down. Uh, and I would use a de-waxing agent. Uh, we make a wax and grease killer that's a chemical. And you wipe it on and you wipe in one direction from the bow, let's say, to the stern using one rag that's wet and one rag that's dry. And you just work your way down the hull of the boat. What that does is if there were any contaminants still on the surface, by chance, it will 
rip those off the surface and you're basically pushing them down the surface of the boat uh, till they're off. Uh, now that, that dries and then I always like to recommend using uh, a two-part epoxy primer uh, that's a paint, uh, and it's a ours is is called Tough Stuff. It's a so Seahawk makes a, a, a we call it barrier coat or epoxy primer, um, and barrier coat requires a certain mill thickness to retard the water from getting into the boat. Uh, osmosis is you know the movement of water into the the hull structure, and uh, Blistering can occur if you don't have one of these barriers on there. Um, so you would apply this barrier coat. Uh, and our barrier coat, two to three coats with a three-eighths inch nap roller, will get you the required wet film thickness so that you don't get uh, intrusion of water into the, into the boat. Uh, some others require a couple more coats, four to five coats, because they have less solids. So uh, we're at a point where we're two to three coats. Uh, three is probably all you would ever need. Uh, and then you would apply the first two coats in the first day, provided your weather's pretty nice. Uh, the next day you would come back. It would dry overnight. Uh, the, the tough stuff would dry overnight. Uh, and when it's thumbprint tacky, basically you put your thumb in it and you leave a thumbprint, but don't get any paint on your thumb. You would then apply your anti-fouling paint. And what that does is, you know, paints bond in two ways, right? You did that 80 grit sand scratch. That 80 grit sand scratch is your mechanical bond. And Tough Stuff's very, very good at sticking to gel coat and in all those little nooks and crannies that you made with the 80 grit. So you've got the 80 grit sand scratch, that's your mechanical bond. And then that thumbprint tacky is your chemical bond. So paints bond in two ways, chemically and mechanically. So you either have to profile or hit some sort of a overcoat window that allows everything to bond together. Got it. Got it. So if I just, just to summarize that. So, uh, I, I media blast it or I soda blast it. I rough it up with some 80 grit paper. Yep. I clean it. And then I put on two coats on day one. I put on two coats of a uh, tough coat or some kind of a tough stuff, tough stuff, some kind of a barrier coat. Yes, sir. I let that dry overnight. The next day I come in, I put on another coat of tough stuff. And then I let that, I'll use the word three-quarter dry or dry until tacky. And then exactly. when it's tacky, then I put on my first layer of bottom paint. Is that right? Yeah, absolutely. And, and the big pro tip here is if for some reason you trip and fall and have to clean yourself up and you miss the window of thumbprint tacky, stop, wait, and apply another coat. Another coat of of, of the barrier stuff. coat. The barrier coat. Got it. Okay. Correct. If you miss that thumbprint tacky window and just apply paint over it, anti-fouling paint that is, it will all fall off within two years. I guarantee it. Most likely the first season. But by the second season, you'll have a big issue. Meaning it'll it'll uh, it'll so peel. It'll peel off in essence. That's correct. The, yeah, it'll flake, it'll yeah, peel. Flake. It just you don't when when epoxy's dry. You just don't have anything to bond to. So you lost the mechanical bond because there's no profile and you don't have a chemical bond because it's dry. So the key is, is getting that chemical bond. So again, pro tip, if you miss the window, let it dry fully, put one more coat on, it'll be okay. Got it. Got it. But make sure you hit that window. So that window is really, really important here. That is the critical, that's the critical thing. Absolutely. And 
So that would be sort of a, a good question to ask a yard or someone who's going to paint my boat is tell me about the process and tell me the steps you go through to make sure they're aware that this this step is key. Or is that so basic that anyone who paints bottom bo- bottoms is going to know? I, I am very comfortable with the fact that most yards will never have a problem with it. Now, I'm not saying that it doesn't happen. Uh, we have issues where where these things happen. You know, some a boat was sinking in the yard and they missed the window because the applicator is also the guy that drives the travel list. Sure, yeah. So he went and ran to deal with this problem and, oh, man, they missed the window. And Johnny came over and just slapped paint on and, whoops, now it's all falling off. So, you know, will, will I say that it never happens? No. Accidents happen all the time. Got it. You know, we're only human. But uh, generally, I will say that, that I'm very comfortable to say that it, it, it seldom happens, and it's very obvious when it does. And usually we all go, all right, what can we do to help you? Yeah, people, you know how do how do we make this how do we make this better for you and the customer? Yeah, because people know what the cause was. Correct. Yeah, yeah it's and, and you know I mean it's uh, that's like the one time where you find a smoking gun because you know what it is because you've seen it before. Yeah, uh, yeah. but oftentimes it, there isn't one, and uh, and we work through that too. But you know, again, simple process. Your foundation's key. Preparation's always key. Yeah, and that's uh, you wouldn't build a house on a sandcastle. You know, you, you want that nice, sur- firm surface to build on. Yeah. Very good. Now, w- any tips on applying the bottom paint itself? Do I roll it on? Do I brush it on? Do I spray right. it on? Yes, you can do it all. Um, most paints uh, will be applied via a roller. Uh, and, and our products recommend a, a 3 8 inch nap roller. That's pretty standard across the board. There are a couple products that need... Uh, need to go on a little bit thinner just because of how they, they work. Uh, all of the Seahawk products pretty much get applied with a three eighths inch nap roller. And, uh, you know, it's gotta be solvent resistant cause there are some solvents in these products. Uh, and, um, you know, the other thing about rollers is that rollers have a lot of fuzz on them, right? They're manufactured wherever and they have a lot of fuzz. So the other pro tip I'll recommend is that you would wrap the roller with a piece of masking tape. So you take a two inch piece of tape and you wrap the roller up and that'll pull off some of those loose hairs. Ah, that is a good pro so, tip. Especially with the, uh, a product like Tough Stuff, a two-part epoxy, it's pretty sticky and it would pull off those extra hairs. So in order to get the cleanest finish, it's always great to wrap that roller yeah. with a... Uh, and, and don't skimp on your rollers. You know, bu- buy a good quality roller. Yeah. Um, I really like uh, uh, a Purdy roller. Red Tree makes a lot of really good rollers. Um, but but they're all out- available out there. And typically, you're applying the paint most of the surface with a three eighths inch nap roller, nine inch roller, seven inch roller, uh, and then you're using like a, a small chip brush, throwaway brush, not a foam brush. Uh, but a, a small chip brush that you would use to, uh, you know, get in the through holes and around areas that you just can't get with a roller. Sure. Power boats, you're using a chip brush a lot just to get in all the all the lifting strakes and around the outboards or inboards. And um, but but for a sailboat, you're pretty lucky. It's uh, it's actually enjoyable to paint a sailboat. Yeah. 
and is and uh, is it sort of just like painting a wall in my house? I overlap a little bit, and is there anything else I need to kind of worry about? Uh, you know, roll it on and kind of leave it. Uh, don't don't keep going back. When you keep going back, you end up with overlaps, and it looks weird. I see. Um, I I, I like to uh, you know wet your roller, and uh, you know for a, a let's say you were midship on your boat at, at the widest part of your beam. You're pretty much going to roll one roll down and then dip it again, roll again. Why? Because you can squeeze out a lot more paint, but then you're not applying it at the right film thickness. I see. So again, three-eighths inch snap roller will apply about five to eight mils wet. Any more, it's going to look really bad, and any less, it's going to be thin. And do I need to wait between coats? Do I let it fully dry? Yes, sir. Yeah, so... Um, you know, every paint has a different dry time and conditions will denote what that dry time is. Uh, what I would always recommend and what I do always recommend is that you go online. Again, you can go right to the website or even typing in Google, uh, Biocop TF TDS, what it stands for. What, what does it stand for? Technical data sheet. That technical data sheet will have your overcoat windows for different temperatures. So I think, it, you know, for that product, for example, at 73 degrees, which in New England we don't get very often, uh, is is roughly uh, three, three and a half hours. I, again, check the data sheet. That's the best way to go. Uh, but it's somewhere in that range. Got it. And again, if it's colder, it'll be longer. If it's hotter, it'll be shorter. Um, you can never go wrong with waiting overnight. Okay. So is that's my next question. Is there like a maximum time for, for waiting to put the second coat on? Yeah, great question. So... Um, Yes and no. Uh, right, trick question. Uh, so uh, with tough stuff, the barrier coat, you have up to six days to apply tough stuff over itself without sanding. You can apply it later on, but you got to sand first. With anti-fouling paints, you can actually, in many cases, because of the resin technology... Just pressure wash your boat, give it a light scuff with a Scotch-Brite just to make sure there's no, um, you know, uh, growth or dirt or any any contaminants on the surface. And then roll right over it with, with another coat, fresh coat of anti-fouling paint. Um, so the technology's really evolved to allow for a lot easier applications. Now, if we go back to those traditional hard modified epoxies, those have what we call that leach layer. And that's an area where there's resin and a little bit of pigment, but no biocide. And that area gets to be a little um, chalky, it, it, and it doesn't adhere. It doesn't allow for good adhesion. So we go back to how do paints bond chemically and mechanically. Ablatives will rely on that chemical bond. You can boost that adhes adhesion by giving it a mechanical bond plus the chemical bond. But with the traditional anti-fouling paints, the hard modified epoxies, you would want to sand those with an 80-grit sandpaper uh, on a random orbital sander. Yeah, yeah, great. Great advice. But we really move things forward in that realm yeah. uh, to, to make it a little easier for everybody. So on my boat, uh, I also have a keel. So that's a big chunk of cast iron that's sort of hanging off the bottom of the hull. On my boat, it happens to be out of cast iron. Some boats, it's lead. Other boats, it's encapsulated. It's in fiberglass. So is there anything mm -hmm. special I need to do with the keel? So, yeah, I mean, it, again, yours being cast iron, 
when it gets blasted down to the substrate with the media that they're going to use, um, it's imperative that in the same working day, you get a coating on that. Because, as you know, A, we're right by the water and there's salt water. So there's a lot of uh, salt in the air and moisture. And what happens is that that, that steel will want to flash off and you'll get flash rust right on the surface within a couple hours. Uh, so we always say within the same shift, the same, the same working day, you got to get some primer on there. And what that does is it encapsulates the steel and prevents that oxidation from occurring, the rusting. Now, when you say primer, uh, so, do you mean barrier coat or is this a different product? So there's a couple different foods of thought. Um, we make a product that's a, a chromated primer currently, uh, but we'll be discontinuing it, quite frankly, uh, because chromates are pretty bad for the environment. So we're, we're moving away from chromated primers. Um, so, yes, you would just use the barrier coat straight too. But in many industrial applications, they still do use these chromated primers. Got it. Uh, again, they're a little more tenacious at bonding to metals. Yeah. Uh, but the primer... You thin the primer out about 20%, you roll it on, and it does a great job. Uh, and then you go with full-strength coats after that. But again, by thinning it, you get a product that's pretty thick, thin it out slightly, and it fills in all those little nooks and crannies formed by the blasting. Yeah, yeah. So if I have a cast iron cast iron keel like most boats these days do, or a lot of boats, these the newer boats have, uh, so I got I to gotta worry a little bit extra about that and a couple extra steps. Uh, timing. It's just timing. And yeah. again, you're building a you're building a strong foundation. So those first coats are really key to making sure that foundation is is proper. Yeah. Uh, that's how I always look at primers. It's, it's a foundation, right? Between prep and priming, that, that's what you're building everything else on. Yeah. So if I if I'm going to do one of these jobs myself, uh, the, the putting the application of the two, two, three coats of barrier, and then let's say two coats of uh, uh, bottom paint on it. Um, how long a, is that a week's job for me on a boat my size, 45 foot sailboat? Is it a, a three day job? Sure. So let's think about it. Uh, I think, you know, let's this time of year, let's say it's the fall, it's 60 degrees down in Rhode Island in the middle of the day for about two hours. Um, you would do one coat a day of the tough stuff. Uh, so you'd mix up your paint, you would apply the paint, and you would let it dry for the day. And then you'd walk away. Go home, do what you got to do, come back the next day. Again, this time of year, there's a lot of dew. It's not the best for painting right yeah. now. The best time to really apply paint is the spring mm -hmm. or in a controlled scenario where you're indoors. Yeah. Um, that being said, you would take, uh, you know, let it dry the first day. The second day, you'd apply the second coat. And if you've applied it heavily, you're done. Wait till it's thumbprint tacky and put your antifouling paint on. If you know that you've stretched it a little bit or it's a little bit thin in some spots, applying that third coat will ensure that you have a good barrier. Uh, and then you'd wait till that thumbprint tacky. So now we're, what, at three days? So now we're on Wednesday. Yeah, yeah. Uh, thumbprint tacky because, you know, the weather's going to be perfect for the week. Definitely. Uh, so thumbprint tacky, uh, you'd apply that first coat of bottom paint. You would allow that to dry overnight and you'd come back 
the next day and apply another coat. Applying the coats of paint on your boat, 40, 45 feet, uh, you know, you're, you're looking at an hour, hour and a half worth of work. Your shoulders will be tired. Got it. But you'll have a really nice product in the end. It's going to take you more time to tape off the waterline yeah. than it will to roll the whole 45 feet of boat. Yeah. Uh, and if and if you have, uh, you know, Andy working with you, obviously, it'll be half the time. Yeah. Yeah. So, so clearly, even a boat as large as mine, at least to me, it seems large, is something uh, the owner can do. You don't have to have a yard do it. Absolutely. This is, uh, you know, bottom painting is definitely one of those things where I would say, if the owner wants to be involved, this is a great thing to do. As I said before, the one spot that I would say not to get involved in is the removal. Right, the stripping, right. Yep. Let the yard do the stripping. Let the yard do the removal of the anti-fouling paint, the previous coatings. You can easily apply the paint. Yeah. Now, contrary to topside paint, I would say leave that one to the professionals. Yeah, yeah. Now, uh, we talked about the scenario where you basically need to take the boat back down to gel coat because it's got, you know, five, six layers of paint on it or the paint's mm-hmm. flaking or whatever. Now, uh, if, if, if I have a good, strong foundation, right, so I assume I don't have to blast it, I don't have to take it down to, I just got to put another one or two coats of uh, uh, bottom paint on it. What's my yep. prep then? Is that any different? What, what do I do there? Right. So oh, that's a great question. So you've got a great boat. It's in good condition. Just like you said, uh, the yard, you paid the yard to haul the boat. Part of that fall haul out is that they're going to pressure wash it. Yep. Uh, and they're going to do a good job. But even though they do a great job pressure washing, there may still be some light streaks of, uh, we call it tiger striping. You know, the pressure wash guy was like, all right. I did the best I could do. Sure. I always recommend taking a Scotch-Brite pad and maybe maybe a hose and just hosing it off with a Scotch-Brite scrub at the bare minimum. Mm-hmm. Because while the paint will chemically bond, you do want to make sure that there's no slime or dirt or any contaminants yeah. that could prevent that adhesion. Um, you know, think of trying to, uh, take a sticky tack note that that was pushed in sand. Yeah. It's not going to stick on anything. Yeah. So, uh, we like to make sure that all that sand is removed or, or, or fouling or anything that's on the surface. Uh, and a a maroon scotch bright does a great job for that on, on a pole, especially for a sailboat. Yeah. Uh, and that ensures that all that slime is is, any sort of contaminants are off. Yeah. And do Uh, I need to sand the hull after that before I put on the bottom paint or no? So if you're using an ablative paint, uh, you're pretty well set. You know, again, each each manufacturer has their own recommendations, but uh, in many cases, there's no need to sand. Uh, I kind of have a rule of thumb, of thumb. The boat's over 40 feet, sand the bottom. Just because it's a lot to rework if you had to. If I was a boatyard and got I it. had to pay my crew to rework it, it's easier to just sand the one time and, yeah. and move forward. Yeah, got it. Got it. Super. Uh, so... Last question, and, and then we can wrap up here. Sure. Uh, so uh, I know that boats uh, made in a certain ta- uh, period of time, like in the 60s and 70s, a lot of them had blistering problems because of the various different uh, epoxies that they used for the hull. And then, you know, what at least you read from the manufacturers was they improved the, the various different epoxies and the gel coats, and, and blistering problems sort of went away. So I have read that uh, 
maybe after you blast your boat down, you don't have to use two or three barrier coats of, you know, two-part epoxy paint on it. Mm -hmm. You can just put your bottom paint right onto the old gel coat. Uh, what are mm -hmm. your thoughts on that? Right. Um, hmm. So selfishly, I love selling paint. <laughs> um, so everybody should have sure. a barrier coat. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah here, here's the deal. It's your investment. And if I could protect my investment with a primer that's going to do such, I would. Uh, so it's always a good thing to apply a full barrier. Is it necessary? If your boat's 10 years old and it has no blisters on it, it isn't going to all of a sudden spontaneously get them. Um, and it is very, very true. The, the resins that are out using epoxy resins or, or vinyl ester resins versus polyester resins, uh, or, or the other way around, polyesters versus vinyl esters, you, you're less likely to get that intrusion. Now, you may still see some blistering that happens because the gel coat, the mold, uh, the, the, the layers of a glass and the gel coat, maybe there was an air pocket. So you sure, had a small right. blister there. But those aren't structural blisters that go into the actual resin and mat. Yeah. Um, the, the process by which they build boats now isn't so heavily relied on one guy rolling the mat into or the resin into the mat and making sure all the voids are taken care of. Uh, they have different different ways to build boats, production boats, you know, with chop guns where it's actually sure. shooting this this resin and glass mixture out of a gun. Um, it, they just have different ways to do it that have improved that process. Uh, so if your boat has blisters and you don't have a year and a half to let it dry out, you may not want to put a barrier coat on it anyway because it's, you're not going to make it any better. Yeah. Um, and if your boat doesn't have blisters, you can get away with that one coat. I would still use the barrier coat as a tie coat primer. Got it. Because of its tenacity to grab onto the gel coat. And then we know that the chemical bond between the the, the, the epoxy primer and the anti-fouling paint works very, very well. Yes. So using it as a tie coat primer, not necessarily a barrier coat, is uh, is a very, very good way to go. And I would always recommend yeah. that. That's an excellent point. Excellent point, because that's really going to help. You got three layers there. You got the gel coat, you got the the epoxy layer, and, and then your anti-foul. You got to bond those three layers together. And it's that epoxy Correct. that serves as the double-sided sticky tape sort of to to uh to bond yeah. all those things together that's it that's it 100 percent. and again it goes back down to the chemical bond versus mechanical bond yep your, your chemical bond plus a mechanical bond are always going to be the best way yeah great hey Heath, this has been really fantastic a lot of great great information in here should i is there something i should have asked you that i didn't is there another nugget uh, of knowledge so, so the hot thing in anti-fouling pain if there is such a thing uh, the exciting thing that, that I that I'm excited about is is bright colors and custom colors. So uh, we make a product called Color Coat. It's a triple biocide, copper free product. Copper free allows us to have these nice, bright, crisp colors. Uh, so we can do everything from like a dark, dark flag blue all the way up to a nice ice blue or a yellow or pink. 
uh, or a baby blue. We've done everything in the mix. Oh wow! So, uh, so, grays. so now I have I have choice in my bottom paint color. Exactly. It's you know traditionally black is like ninety percent. Blue makes up maybe fifteen to twenty, and the rest is split between green and red. Yeah. And that kind of shifts if you go to Maine. <laughs> Maine, lots of green and red, a little less black. Okay. Uh, but for the most part, it's black and blue. Yeah. Green and red. Um, something we do a little different is we offer a dark blue, a navy blue, in almost all of our products. But this new product, Color Coat, uh, is super exciting, not only because it performs, not only because it's copper-free, a little more environmentally friendly, and aluminum-safe, uh, but we're able to custom match colors right to all grip colors. Yeah. So even if you have stars and stripes blue, oh. which is that really cool slaty gray color, yeah, we can do that in bottom paint. Oh, and now wow. you don't actually see the bottom paint line. It's it's pretty cool. Um, center consoles, big sport fish. It's become a really big thing that we're doing. Oh, very nice. Uh, something unique that we do. Yeah, that's cool. Hey, well, thanks again for being on the show. I will make sure to have all of this information on Seahawk and uh, the contact information in the show notes so people can get, get a hold of you. So uh, thanks again, Heath. It was wonderful. Hey, Bella, it's been a pleasure. I really appreciate the opportunity. Thank you again so much. Bela, that was a little more complex than I imagined. And, uh, you know, I can see on a small boat this would be manageable. But for a bigger boat, I totally get why you would pay it for the yard to do this. Yeah, you know, it's it's a multi-step process. It's not like painting the ceiling in your living room where you, you know, open the can of paint and you just kind of slap it on. Uh, as we've learned in over these two episodes, uh, you, prep is very important, as it is with all painting, but in, in painting a boat, it's really important. And you have to, and timing is important. You want to make sure that things are dry, but not too dry, because then the paint doesn't adhere. So there's a lot of things you got to sort of think about when you do this, and the temperature has to be right, etc. So, you know, I've chosen to have the yard do this, because they're pros, they do it every day. And uh, this winter and spring, uh, my boat will be uh, blasted uh, or, you know, taken right down to the gel coat. And then they'll put a couple of the epoxy barrier coats on it. And then the final uh, ablative uh, paint, I think, is what I'm going to end up using. But the uh, anti-fouling paint uh, on the bottom. So, yeah, it's complex. Uh, there's a lot of steps involved. And, uh, you know, you got to do it the right way. Yeah, but one of the takeaways for me on this, too, was that, you know, I, having had a lot of different, seen a lot of different things in my life, I'm always a little bit leery of salespeople, right? But in this case, I was really, and I, and I think it makes sense that the salesperson, and, and in this case, Heath, right, wants you to be happy, and he's willing to talk with you about what your needs are and, and give you the right product, right? He doesn't want you to spend too much. He doesn't want you to spend too little. He wants to make sure you have the right product so that you're satisfied, and I really like that about him, and that kind of cut all the way through. He was very open. Yeah, I want to sell you more paint, you know, but I think he wants to sell you the right paint, and that's and that's more important. And I think there's a takeaway there. And you talked about doing the research and things like this. But, you know, going and talking to the sales rep, again, you're talking about a really big investment. And, you know, especially you're talking about places where you can't see every day when you use the boat, right? You want that part of your boat to be really well protected. So I think one of the takeaways is, you know, and again, everybody has their own brands of things. But in something like this, it's great to talk to an expert. It's great to find an expert that um, is interested in making sure that you're satisfied in the long run, not just in the short run with, with what you buy. 
Yeah, I agree, Mike. <clears throat> and you know, one of the things I was really impressed with was when Heath said that, well, if you dial the 800 number uh, on their website, uh, it might go to the central office, but also uh, Heath may answer the phone because if you're calling from his sort of geographic territory that he manages, uh, those calls get routed to his cell phone. And, you know, I thought that was really uh, an interesting way of them handling customer service so that you're, you're talking to the person who's, you know, working in the yards, working with customers, uh, understands really the intricacies necessary for selecting the right paint for your application and your boat and uh, getting it uh, in, put on or giving you tips on how to how to paint it. Uh, and, you know, he was open about that. He said, you know, stripping the paint, have the pros do that. But painting it, if you want to do that, yeah. Here's a few tips, and if you follow these, you'll end up with a great job. Yeah, and right, there's the technical data sheet, the TDS, and you it, it gives you the information that you need. So yeah, and it, it, another kind of point I think that I'm learning kind of from you and, and, and talking all these things through is that, you know, this is an investment where you don't always want to get the cheapest thing that you can find, that there's certain things that are worth paying for, and I think service is one of these things that are worth paying for. Um, because again, you, if you... Um, I guess there's a neat German saying and the English translation of it, you know, the person that buys cheap buys three times, right? Or two times, right? Um, and when you're talking about a boat, you want to probably pay a little more to make sure you're getting the right paint and you're getting service from somebody who knows the business um, and knows your area. Again, like you, you were talking with him about the the location, knowing what the the water's like. And he even said, talk to your, he said, talk to the boatyard, right? They know the water in their location. Um, so I think all of this stuff was really, to me, fascinating as an outsider kind of thinking about this and, and what makes sense. So yeah. I thought this was a great two-part episode, Bela, and I, I learned a ton. And uh, thanks for uh, bringing Heath in and uh, and spending the time with him. Yeah, you know, and I think the, the other element to this is the labor component is pretty significant here. So... Uh, if you buy the lower cost paint that's only going to last you for a season, that means every year you're paying that labor piece. Whereas if you buy the more expensive paint that may you maybe you get a, a two seasons out of it or even possibly three, then you're not paying that labor on year two and year three. So that's a big element of this, right? It's not just going out and, and buying the product and that's all there's involved. You have to buy the product and it needs to be installed. And so the labor element uh, goes back to your tip about if you buy cheap, you buy two or three times, and here, not only are you buying the paint two or three times, but you're also buying the labor two or three times. Or, or doing it yourself, which is, you know, an, right. a significant investment, too. Exactly. So, yeah, I think great things to think about and all part of the boat ownership experience, right, in terms of where you put your time and your money and thinking it through is the most important thing and, and right, being proactive and being preventative and all the things that you've been talking about um, as you've spent your first year with Paradox. Yeah, exactly. Shall we wrap this one up, Mike? Let's wrap it up. So listeners, thanks for joining us for yet another episode. And we hope you found our conversation interesting and thought-provoking. If you have questions about what we've discussed or suggestions for a future guest, as always, please feel free to get in touch with us. Our email is sailingtheeast, that's all one word, at gmail.com. And again, I want to extend a special thanks to Heath Mulveen from uh, Seahawk Premium Yacht Finishes for joining us for these uh, last two episodes. Uh, it was real informative, and we really enjoyed it. Uh, so if you enjoyed the podcast, hit that follow button on your favorite podcasting app. And if you, hey, if you know of someone that would be a good guest on the show, let us know. Just send us an email. So until next time, signing off from upstate New York. See you soon.
Sounds great, Bela, from over here in Münster, Germany. Auf Wiedersehen. Thank you.